Welcome to the Learn Stage Lighting Podcast. This is the show where newcomers and professionals alike come to learn more about stage lighting. And now your host, David Henry. Hey friends, so this is a re-record. Um, <laughs> um, yes, this is a re-record and um, you know, this is one of those lessons for life. Um, just before we get into the actual show, um, I recorded, gosh, I think I got 45 minutes into a, a really interesting show um, with a few rants. Of course, you know, I, I get into too many rants sometimes, but, um, you know, this is kind of the place, the, the podcast where you guys can listen and I can kind of speak my mind. I'm um, just rants about, you know, people um, and stuff like that. Humans, right? Um, this world would be great if there weren't other humans. Some people say that sometimes and <laughs> Well, I'm really thankful for all of you. You know, sometimes it's like people write in and you just go, hey, hey, oh, calm down a second. But we'll get into that. Um, but first, uh, you know, this is uh, this is key. OK, it, with anything you're doing, I've always been a big um, advocate of this in lighting is always having some sort of backup lighting console. OK, and because you just never know when something's going to go wrong. Like I was about 45 minutes into this recording and the program Camtasia that I used to record, like everything, sure, it's not an audio program, but it can do it. And yeah, it crashed, man. Um, for, and this has never happened before. Like I've done, this is podcast 90. I've done 90 podcasts with this setup, well, a few less, but pretty close to 90 podcasts. And this has never happened. And meanwhile, all of that to say, I have hooked up to my audio, to my microphone, a Zoom um, offline recorder where I could have just turned that thing on and pressed play or press record and it would have recorded a backup of everything. And that's what I'm doing now because, because you, you should always have a backup. So today guys, um, what's free for you today is the title of today's episode because we've got some really great stuff going on today. And I really want to feature some good stuff, um, but there's some exciting news out in the world that I want to share with you guys because I think it's so cool. Okay. Free stuff from you from manufacturers. And before we get there, actually, before we talk about free stuff from manufacturers, I got to talk about learnstagelighting.com slash Amazon. That's right. Um, the sponsor for today's show is exactly that. Now, many of you guys are familiar with the fact that on Learn Stage Lighting, we've got some links to products occasionally. You know, I do less of that than I used to um, because I hate kind of being, you know, I hate kind of focusing on just one product, but you know, I, I have links to Amazon and many of you guys know because it says on the on the sidebar as well as other places that these are what's called an affiliate link where you click on it and, and you, you see this other places on the web, right? It's everywhere. You click on it, you go to Amazon and if you buy anything, I get a small commission. Okay. It's not huge and it's not change my life kind of money, but it does contribute to the budget of um, this podcasts of the videos I make and, and just of running this business and, and being able to create great free resources to you because... Amazon's going to pay me for something that you may have already gone to buy. They're going to give me a small commission and there's no additional cost to you. And so that's what I'm trying today. A new thing. Got it from the Solopreneur Hour with Michael O'Neill. Great podcast if you work by yourself um, and are running a small business. Um, but, you know, so today's sponsor is LearnStageLighting.com slash Amazon. Go there and uh, you'll be sent to Amazon um, US and you'll be able to shop there if you're, um, you know, if you're coming from another Amazon store, um, then um, actually, you know what? I'm going to change that. And um, I should be able to make that go to um, other stores as well. But I know Amazon's the most present um, overall in the world um, because 
They just are. They're based here. And I think that's where they're the strongest. But I know other people, you know, in the UK use Amazon and stuff like that. So, um, you know, if you are going to do some shopping, just do your shopping there. Um, it's the same prices. You're not going to pay anymore. But I get a little kickback um, from Amazon. And it's um, something that I'm very thankful for. Now, in news today, I said free stuff. Uh, so this podcast is free, right? Thanks to our sponsor. Um, but also is free is Entech Elm. What? That's right. So Entech Elm, as many of you guys know, is this awesome little piece of software. It's not little that I use and I've recommended and I teach from time to time um, that allows you to do what's called pixel mapping or basically setting up your lights, um, usually pixels or LED pars or LED lights, um, sometimes LED movers. And you're able to run video across those lights then really simply and really easily. And Elm is so cool um, because it is like the easiest software that I've ever seen that does this. Okay. It really is. It's so simple um, just to be able to quickly and easily get set up, run video, trigger it, integrate it with other software, whatever you want to do. Um, it can do that. Okay. And if um, and for the longest time, too, I've also recommended Entex Pixel controllers. That if you're using pixel tapes or things like that, um, Entex's got really great controllers. They really think through their software well. Their hardware is is really high quality, and it's going to last a long time. And their prices are are not bad when you compare them to other things on the market. Sometimes they're they're better priced. Sometimes they're about the same. Um, but they they they're really worth what you pay for them. Um, but now they're really really worth it because. If you have bought in the past or buy in the future um, any of their Pixel controllers, they're giving you free Entech Elm licenses that are equivalent, basically, to the output of that controller. So if you get a two-universe Pixel controller, you get two universes in Elm. In eight, you get eight. You know, if you have multiple, you can stack them all together. And I think this is, like, really awesome. I mean, because the the short version of it is, say you buy a Pixel Octo, like, like I've reviewed. Um, we'll link to my review on Amazon to the Pixel Octo. Say you've got that unit. It retails, the uh, MSRP on it is $400. If you get it through a dealer, you could get it for less. Now, eight universes of Elm licenses is, well, technically $250 for 16 because eight's not an option in their licensing um, scheme. Um, and four is $125. But regardless, um, you could get eight universes of Elm for, you know, say it's $200, okay? So now... You're literally playing, you know, MSRP. If you subtracted that, right, you're literally paying half price for that Pixel Octo um, if you were going to buy Helm anyways, right? So how cool is that? Um, that's awesome. It's so nice of them, so generous. Honestly, I think, you know, over the past few years, they've worked hard, and, and I've spoken with them about this to, you know, they've told me about this to really set themselves apart as the best option for Pixel Control if you're going to build a Pixel system. And this is just one of those things that takes it over the top because now they're including for free this really solid, really amazing software um, to, um, with an amount of output that matches the Pixel controller that you purchase. So I think that is so nice of them. Like, it's awesome. And if you've bought them in the past, all the way back to their Pixie driver, which is an older one, right? It's not, um, that's one that uses direct DMX control. I don't think they've made it for a few years. Um, it's an old one. And you get the license with that. You can go to the page that we're going to link to in the show notes. And um, there's a big, if you scroll about halfway down, there's a section that says, but what if I already own a Pixel controller from Entech? You can click, fill out a form, and uh, they'll get you your info. So how cool is that? How awesome. That is so cool. Um, other news, other free stuff for people from manufacturers. And uh, I've got a little more on this too, 
is um, Novation, the MIDI controller maker. Uh, many people use Novation MIDI controllers with lighting software. And they've announced that Novation and Focus, right? Also, they make audio gear. Um, they've come together and they've added an extra warranty, an extra year of warranty onto all their products. So previously it was a two-year, now it's a three-year warranty. How cool is that? Free. And one of the things that this highlights, and I've reported on this before, is that other companies have done this in the past, and I think it's something we're going to see in the future, that um, that more and more companies are offering longer warranties on products in our industry, on lighting or whatever other type products, okay? And this highlights two things. One, it's awesome because you know that as long as you don't, um, you know, really beat the products, you know, you got to take care of your stuff, right? Um you really do. But if, as long as you take care of your gear, they're going to cover it, you know, from manufacturer defects for an extra year now or longer, depending on, um, you know, what brand it is. The, the ETC, you know, extended their, their LED warranty, I believe, on the diodes themselves to up to 10 years on their lights a while ago. Um, and, and Elation, you know, I think um, if you kind of registered your installation, and um, a, and a dealer um, who was registered installed it. You get a longer warranty there, I believe. And so this is happening a lot, and it tells us something cool, right? Um, it, you know, because you're like, okay, David, you know, I don't make that many warranty claims, right? You know, from time to time, I make a warranty claim on a piece of gear, whether it's my own or my church's or somebody I'm working with. Um, but for the most part, today, you know, I find that I'm making. I don't make a lot of warranty claims. Like gear today is really really reliable and i think that's cool right this is bigger than just novation extending their warranty right because i think oh yeah turbo sound um you know the the music group brand they increased their their warranty to 10 years i think it was less before and and so gear in our industry av gear you know audio video lighting gear um is lasting longer than it ever has before and i think that's awesome especially in a world where we think everything's getting cheaper sometimes and you know there's planned obsolescence which is the theory that computers and other new things are are built to to not last so it's a glimmer of hope to see no you know that happens sometimes and it's definitely a thing but also um, there are a lot of things that are lasting longer than they ever had before that are more well built than, than ever before and um, better. I mean, think about cars, right? You know, a hundred thousand miles on a car used to be like, oh man, that has really high miles. And now, I mean, gosh, I don't have a car that has less than a hundred thousand miles on it and I haven't in a few years. Um, and they work great. I rarely have to go to the mechanic. And so, you know, you, it's, it's the same with lights and I think, and, and other AV gear. And I think it's so cool. I think it's awesome. Uh, and it's there's never been a better time to do this kind of stuff. And also, um, that kind of highlights the importance of choosing well, right? Because if you choose well, you take care of your stuff, you're going to have it for a long time. And if you learn how to use it well, like we teach here at Learn Stage Lighting, um, you'll be able to, to really be happy with it for a while. So hopefully my voice doesn't go out, guys. I'm going to try to get through this. You're going to try to get current on all the questions that have come into my email inbox. Um, many of you guys know, um, we're switching over and this will be the last episode where I answer questions from the email inbox. And from now on, it's only patrons. Okay. So patreon.com or rather learnstagelighting.com slash Patreon um, or patreon.com slash learnstagelighting um, will get you to become a patron and you can join there. It's like the Learn Stage Lighting Club. Um, you'll get to help support the free content that we have. And, um, and, and, in, um, and in return for that, 
um, at the $3 level, you'll get to ask a question um, on the podcast. Okay. You, you can ask questions and I'll answer them within a month. Okay. Um, also, you know, any, anything special that I kind of put out there will be given to you guys. And then there's other levels too that give you other stuff. Like I'll send you learn stage lighting stickers or put your name in the credits or get you a free month on learn stage lighting labs, all kinds of stuff. So check that out um, for just three bucks. You know, you can get your question answered. And I think that's a much better way to handle things simply because um, I'm three months behind on these questions and three months is not an okay amount of time to answer your questions in, right? I mean, who wants to wait three months to get an answer? Whereas you guys could join us for $3 or a few more, help support the show and get your question answered fast. I call that a win-win. So on today's episode, our first patron a question comes from Sylvain. Sylvain makes the Onyx Fixture Finder at onyxfixturefinder.com, I believe. Uh, we'll put that in the show notes. And Sylvain is the man. Um, he's in France. He's a great guy. Um, but he said, hi, David, a dialist tutorial video would be very nice. Okay. Um, so, you know, here, here's where I am at with dialist from Onyx. For many of you guys who might be Onyx people, you know that um, Onyx is releasing a new pixel mapper, just like I talked about Entex Elm. Onyx is releasing one that's built into their software called Dialos. Okay. Um, it's included with the software and it's really powerful. And he's saying, okay, video tutorial would be nice. So um, first thing you want to look at is on YouTube. If you haven't checked it out already, I think you were there live though, Sylvain. Um, when Dialos was first released in beta a couple months ago, Matthias Hendricks from uh, Onyx, from the Onyx team, and I got on a call and we broadcast that to YouTube as a live webinar. It's called, um, just type in Onyx Dialos in YouTube. We'll get the link there. Kari will put it in the show notes to the live stream itself. Um, and it's like an hour and it walks you through everything. Now, of course, the caveat here is that um, the, if you're using the latest beta version of Onyx that's out that has the latest version of Dialos in it, they've changed a lot. And why have they changed so much? Well, the Onyx team, let me tell you about these guys. Okay. Um, and maybe gals too, but most of the people I work with are guys. Sorry, that's just the state of the industry. There's there's women too, and they're great at their jobs, um, but there's mostly men if you look around. So, um, so this team is really dedicated, like above all else. And, and this is one of the things that sets Onyx apart, therefore, is that above all else, they're super dedicated to um, really making a great user experience and a really great interface to be able to work in, okay? And so that means when they're putting out beta versions and um, they're, they're working on new versions of the software, etc., um, there's a lot of changes to the look and feel that happen. And the most recent beta version looks a good bit different than the initial beta version that we did that webinar on. Okay, now I'm going to make some new videos and I'm going to refresh all my videos, my getting started videos, as well as any unlearned stage lighting labs that um, need to be refreshed to make the new look. Um, you know, if the new look basically affects those, those videos, we're going to refresh everything, um, which is, again, part of being a labs member is that you get the latest and greatest when there's a software update. I'm going to cover it and show you how to use it um, right away. But uh, but. I'll put a tutorial on YouTube, a simple dialogue tutorial too, and refresh all those once the final version is actually released. Because, you know, right now as I record this, um, maybe it'll be within the week that they, before this goes live, that they um, do release it. But as I record this, um, we're on what's supposed to be the final version. But I thought we were in the final version, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and then they changed things. So, and I had made a tutorial and, and then they changed it. So, um, 
And so I just want to wait for that final version so that the tutorials are super clear and actually match exactly what you're seeing in front of you on the version that they actually do release. And so um, we'll get there, Sylvain. Thanks for asking your question on Patreon. All right. So Franz writes in on the uh, questions. Again, this will be the last episode where we go through the general questions inbox. And he says, uh, I'm building a new space for theater and dance. The dimensions are uh, 43 feet long by 23 feet wide by 18 feet high. Um, and in Buenos Aires, um, we pretty much all use LEDs. There aren't really tungsten lights. So he was thinking for this space about getting eight Chauvet DJ Slim Par Pro H's, um, which is a uh, a hex uh, LED par. So RGB, amber, white, and UV. Then, um, then he says, I might get some ADJ... Z one hundred three Ks, great par, and then Chauvet DJ Slim Par Pro W variable white units, and then Chauvet DJ Eve um, ellipsoidals, and maybe if there's money left over, some Chauvet Intimidator spots, either the one fifty five or the two sixty. So yeah, Franz, um, you know he's asking, do you have advice? This is the basic setup that I'm looking at, and you know without seeing how it lays out, without seeing the size of stage, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, um, maybe that's the size of the stage that you told me, not the size of the whole room. Now, um, so my thoughts are basically without having more details, um, this is a decent, good starter list of gear to get going. Um, what I like that you did, and you've probably been listening to me for a while, which is why you hear this, is you got some LED units that use white only, okay? And those units, um, are going to produce a great white. Because the one thing that I see people get sold on all the time or go buy is they buy, you know, a fixture that's got RGB, amber, white, and UV, or they buy a fixture that has RGB white um, on its own, and they say, okay, I'm going to use these for my white front light, right? These are going to be my white light, and um, that's what I'm going to use them for. And, you know, that's that's a bad idea. Why is that a bad idea? Well, it's a bad idea because the white in them, um, one, is not very bright compared to a unit that only has white in it. And two, the white um, is generally not a great white on skin tones. It's not designed for that. Whereas when you buy a unit that just is a variable white or a white-only fixture, like that ADJ Z100, which is such a bright light, it blows away those Slim Part Pro Ws um, in brightness and um, and light quality too. It's It's got a really great quality of light. Um you know, when you've got a just white fixture, that's what they design it to do to wash skin tones and to wash people. And so it looks a lot better. Um, and so that's why I recommend doing that. And, and you've done that here. And I think that's good. So um, that's really without seeing more info and, you know, going deep like I do with people in the labs, it's hard to give exact advice. But I think that looks good um, with your movers. I would not get the 155 spots. I would get the brightest spot you can get. Okay, even if you have to wait a year and then buy two 355s or, or 400s or whatever from Chauvet um, or similar from other brands, um, it's really worth it to not get the really small moving lights, especially for like a theater type setup, because they're really small ones. They just they don't have a lot of output, especially once you put colors and stuff in them. And, you know, this isn't like a DJ set where you just want them to kind of flash around, you know, in a pitch black room. Um, this is where you want to add texture and color and interest to your stage and and in different gobos and stuff. And it's worth it to to step up to something that's a little brighter. Um, do look at the brightness of like your LED units 
and compare those numbers, like the Lumen numbers that they put out or the Lux numbers at certain pos- positions, compare that with the moving lights that you're going to get, okay? Look at those numbers and see how they compare. You want them to be in the same ballpark um, or even for the moving light, higher. Because at white, that's the number for the moving light, right? But as you add colors in, the moving light, um, that's a traditional white source moving light like these are, it's going to get darker, okay? So um, just keep that in mind. Don't cheap out on the movers. I would rather you not buy them than buy cheap, really small ones, um, just on a level of impact. Awesome. Jeff writes in and says, uh, I have a problem. Hope you can help. Sure. Um, I purchased an NTEC USB Pro Mark II interface based on my recommendation Okay, that's uh, we'll talk about that in a second. <laughs> I've now downloaded NTX DMXs, which is what I will use with Ableton, but I can't get DMXs to see the box. That is true. So, um, you know, once in a while, I have to always be careful when I make recommendations, but the NTEC USB Pro Mark II is a good interface, okay? But it's a generic type interface that's not tied to any specific software. And so you need to buy software to go with it um, or use a free software that works with it. And you know, depending on the application, sometimes that's the right fit for people. But if you're looking to use DMXs, then um, you need to buy DMXs, okay? And when you buy it, it comes with a box. And that box actually contains the software unlock. Um, you know, it's got like a little microchip inside that unlocks the software. And so you're not going to be able to use that USB Pro Mark II with DMXs. You'll have to sell it um, and get a DMXs interface. What usually happens here, and this is what you may have done, is you looked at NTEC DMXs and you looked at the ProMark II and you said, well, the ProMark II is cheaper. I'll buy that one and use it with DMXs. But the difference is that, you know, DMXs is a paid, um, it's a paid software. It's not free. Like they got to put time in to support it and to build new features into it and stuff like that. And it's a really excellent piece of software. It's worth what you pay for it. Um, not only that, the box that comes with it's custom and it's got that foot switch input to be able to play um, live on stage with it really well. And so um, it's specialized and it, you know, it's a really, really great value, but it is going to cost more than the USB Mark Pro Mark II because it, the USB Pro Mark II doesn't come with any software. Okay. Um, so sorry if, if you felt misled anyways. Um, truth be told, um, I'm not sure why you chose to go with that. Um, I don't recall anywhere that I've t- told anyone ever to use the USB Pro Mark II with DMXs. Sure, they're both by NTEC, but that's where the comparisons stop. Peter writes in and says, hi, so I've purchased a DMX light and I have the NTEC thingy. So this is, <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming this is a similar NTEC DMX interface. I am interested in getting to know how to program a simple light to change colors. I've been using QLab. Um, is a small drama group. Great. Um, I've connected everything as it should. So that means you've come out of um, the DMX box. You've got the DMX box plugged into the computer, either by USB or on the network, depending on what kind of box it is from NTEC. Then you've plugged the DMX into the box and brought that into the input of the light. Okay. Um, can you point me in the right direction with the addresses and all of that stuff as to what to do? So yeah, Peter, um, what you got to do with QLab, and I haven't used QLab's lighting a whole lot, their lighting part, but I can walk you through it. So what you're going to do is in QLab's lighting, the first thing it's probably going to have you do is do what's called patch your lights. And when you patch your lights, you're going to get a DMX address, okay? It's going to say, hey, I'm putting this light at this DMX address, or it's going to ask you where you put it. It doesn't really matter what number you put it at, as long as that number is different from any other light that you've got going. But it sounds like you've just got one light so far, and so therefore, um, 
you know, this is pretty simple, and it'll probably be DMX addressed at one. Then you want to go to the light, okay? And there's a couple things going on. When you give it the address in the software, you need to make sure that the light you patch in the software matches the light that you have exactly. And you need to make sure that if there's a mode, if the light has multiple DMX modes, that the uh, that in the software, you're specifying the mode you want to use. And on the light, you look in the manual and you make sure it's in the right mode. And when you've got those two things lined up, then you set the address. And after that point, once it's all hooked up, you should get control. Um, again, if you need more help, Peter, um, check us out inside of Learn Stage Lighting Labs. We help people every day with stuff like that. And we'll have a link, of course, in the show notes as to information there. All right, Jason writes in and he says, um, really appreciate your channel and the information and advice that comes from the real world experience. Uh, keep it up. It's a great site and channel. Thanks, Jason. Uh, I'm a bit of a newbie at lighting, but my church has tasked me with the process of changing out our old LSC desk, which no one knew how to program. With um, light key, he's decided to go with light key. Um, he's got it up. It's working well. He's happy with it. Um, but he's got the weirdest problem, and that is that there's four lights washing um, your rear wall, basically the, let's see, four lighting the outside of the rear wall, four different lights washing the bottom, and six other lights washing the top of the wall. Um, and the wall's white, so, you know, it looks great. You're able to do a lot of different colors and have some good looks. The problem is that when we run a chase along the bottom of the wall, the farthest outside light on each side reacts slower than their neighboring units, as well as all the other lights on the wall. They're slower to come on and come off. So it sounds like they kind of have a little bit of a fade to them. Um, but maybe you're saying that they literally, they don't fade. In. It's not that they're fading in and out as opposed to the other ones cutting in and out, but they just like are literally just delayed. Um, I've changed the inner identical lights with the outside identical lights. I've changed the DMX address on them and the lights that were in the inside that were acting properly um, also react in the delayed matter when we give them that address. Um, so one quick thing you can do. So the problem occurs of which specific, regardless of what specific fixtures in what place. So it seems like it's not a fixture issue. You wonder, is it a cable issue? You're really stumped. Okay, well, I'm stumped too. But here's how we can start to kind of figure out what's going on. Um, this is certainly a weird issue. So um, you definitely got that part right. Um, what I would do is set the DMX address the same for all the fixtures. So set them all to an address that you think is a good address that works and set them all to a bad that doesn't work, okay? Um, and just see what happens, okay? Because that'll kind of help you identify, okay, if I set them all the same, it doesn't matter if multiple lights have the same DMX address that doesn't break anything. Um, it's absolute, That's one of the great things about DMX is that that's one of the great things about that. I have a smart speaker up there and it apparently thought I asked its name. I probably told you to Google something, um, but but um, made me jump. Um, but So what was they saying? Oh, address them all the same because that'll give you some input as to like, okay, if I address them all the same, do they all react the same or not? Okay. I'm going to guess that when you address them all the same, they probably will all react the same. But based on the troubleshooting you've gone through so far, I'm, I'm not entirely sure of that. So, Address them all to the good address, address them all to the bad address, see what happens, okay? Um, next thing to do is um, put them on a bad address, you know, one that's got this delayed problem, and plug in only that light or only that light and like one other light, okay? And see if that fixes the problem. If that does, then it's some kind of weird cabling issue. Maybe you need a DMX splitter. 
maybe there's a light in the line that if you pull that light out of the chain, um, everything gets fixed. You can try a DMX terminator. Sometimes this helps things. Sometimes this hurts things. Um, it's technically something you're supposed to do, but, um, as you guys may know, I'm not the biggest fan of it just because sometimes they cause problems and sometimes they fix them. Um, it's, it's weird like that. You know, we could argue for, for days as to how, um, as to how, whether, you know, you should use it all the time or not. Um, but we're not going to get into that here. (laughs) So that's another thing you can do. Um, the other thing I would look at is make sure the DMX channels, the profile that you're using in Lightkey matches your lights exactly. Okay. Make sure channel by channel, whatever it says in your lights manual for the mode that you're in and make sure the modes match and whatever it says in light key for the mode that you're in, make sure those channel layouts, you know, what channel one is, what channel two is, etc. Um, make sure those match exactly and that they have the same amount of channels. What I've seen happen before, which this is really similar, is maybe you've got like a seven channel light, you use a six channel profile, and it works fine because that seventh channel that you don't have any, that you're not defining in your console just is like a speed channel, basically like a fade channel or something that modifies something like that. And this all works fine until somebody comes in and patches a a new light right after that old light. And so now channel one of the new light is also channel seven of that old light. There's an overlap there. And that causes when information is sent out for channel one of the new light, that causes like a fade time or a, a different fade curve to be set for channel seven of that old type. Okay. So hopefully that made sense. Um, but that could be an issue that you're running into as well. If something's not quite matched up, right. Um, you might need to leave a gap of a channel in there, but I would say if you're able to isolate the problem to only happening on a certain DMX address and you can move that address around between different lights and the problem follows it, then it's probably a problem with the software, with how you're patching the lights or a weird bug or something like that. Um, that's my best guess. Again, it's something we'd have to go through and kind of go through troubleshooting steps and see what you said back, but that should give you a good place to start. Hopefully I make it through this. Okay, so B writes in, I have one main question that's been bugging me since I started Onyx, and I don't have time to wait for you to possibly answer. Okay, guys, so <laughs> I mentioned in the top here that um, a couple things I mentioned was that, A, um, you know, this is the last time I'm answering, the last podcast episode that I'm answering general questions from the general public. Um, and in the future, patrons, which you can get in on at learnstagelightning.com slash Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, link in the show notes. Um, you can get in on Patreon for literally $3 a month and ask a question. And I'll answer it much quicker than I've gotten to these. But this person wrote in, B, and said, um, I don't have time to wait around for you to possibly answer. And um, for one, that's kind of rude, okay? Like, I'm a lighting expert. I'm a lighting designer and I've worked and I'm really over the last few years have focused on trying to be the best lighting educator I possibly can be and really honing my skills there. And that attitude just kills me because like I'm literally doing this for you for free, right? But my time isn't free, right? I've got a family, got a new baby at home. You know, new babies are expensive, right? Um, Health insurance deductibles are expensive, you know, and I'm not... You know, I'm not driving a Ferrari out front, okay? Um, as I mentioned the other day to somebody, you know, my our newer our newer car, our nice car is from 2011, right? And my car is from 2003. And there's nothing wrong with that. They're both great cars. But, um, you know, 
we're not living large here, right? It's not like I'm just here just like charging people a ton of money and running away with it. Um, I love this. I'm super blessed that I get to work from home, that I get to help teach people and work with manufacturers and stuff like that to be able to make a living. And I'm super pumped that I'm able to give so many things away for free to you guys because before Learn Stage Lighting was this big and was around like this, there really wasn't anywhere for people who were beginning with lights to get this information for free or the paid options that I have that go even deeper and even in more depth. And so um, I just, if you're writing into me and you're asking a question, like, please be nice. Um, for me, that's a rule of life as well, is like, just be kind to other people and yourself and be nice. I, I don't want to go off totally on a rant there, but I just got to say it. Like, uh, that kind of attitude just rubs me the wrong way. Um, but this person says, okay, I need to limit my movements to the crowd uh, on a moving light so that the lights don't hit the back wall when doing an effect. Okay, so how can this be done? So this is not basically, there are occasionally lights kind of at the DJ level that will allow you to limit their position, um, their overall movement, um, as well as some software allows you to do this, like Light Key is one that does. Now, I'm not a big fan of software that allows you to do this because if you take a little bit of time to learn in your particular software how to limit things and how to build effects so that the lights go where you want and don't go um, in those other places, then you don't have to limit yourself all of a sudden. You can still have the light do anything and you're not forcing in basically an abrupt limitation there. And so, you know, that's how all these professional consoles work, like Grand MA, like Hog, like Camsys. Um, none of them allow you to, to basically, like, set a range for a particular channel and, and lock it in there. And because it's just, like, it's something that I get asked for a lot. But, again, if you spend just a little bit of time figuring out, okay, how do I program um, in this console in a way that makes it so that that doesn't happen? So in Onyx in particular with effects, there's a few ways that you can handle this. And one of the great things about a professional grade console like Onyx is you can lay it out and you can program it and make your show happen in a variety of different ways. There's many ways to get to the same end result. And so this is going to kind of depend a lot on your programming style. But when you're in there building your effect, one thing you can do, uh, the simplest is just if you're building an effect, define a base position. If you need that effect to absolutely not hit the back wall, where the lights are pointed forward. Then as you build the effect, you'll see the lights on both their pan and tilt range go above and below that base point, but if you point them out far enough from the backdrop, they'll never make it back um, as long as you build that effect. And if you include a base point in it, as long as you play back that effect every time on um, the same way, you're never going to have it hit that back wall, okay? Um, the only problem with that method, of course, is that it's a little restricting, right? Because now you literally can't... Um, run that that same effect at a different position without first sending it to the first position then you could take the lights to a different position um but that's a whole nother can of can of beans right so <laughs> uh, so that's one way to do it another way to do it is if you're building a particular effect maybe it's a tilt type effect that is getting all over the backdrop and you don't like it you could build that effect so that you use one of the effect modes that only goes above the baseline so in Onyx, when you look at the mode setting for effects, um, and you may have to uncombine your pan and tilt um, effects, I've got tutorials on how to do this in the labs, of course. Um, when you uncombine them like that, then you're able to 
um, set that mode and look at those mode curves that have a black line. That's the base point. That's where the light is before the effect starts. And there's modes that only go above and some that only go below that base point. And so depending on how your lights are oriented, you could actually go ahead and literally, um, you know, have it so that it only goes, it starts maybe near the backstop and it only goes forward and then it comes back. Okay, that's another way to do it. Um, the last way in a way that I like to handle it is just build an effect size fader. Um, I teach people how to do this in the labs and I've got tutorials there on it. You can check it out at learnstagelighting.com slash labs. But, um, you know, and how this works is you, you build a effect size fader that controls the size of your effects. And then when you're playing it back, if you have an effect that starts to get on the backdrop more than you'd like, then you just bring that size down on the tilt or on the effect as a whole. Um, and you lower that size until it's within the range that you'd like. And, uh, and then you'll be good to go. Awesome. Amir writes in and says, can you synchronize light key with Pro Tools? Great question, Amir. So um, probably where this question came from is the fact that you can get light key integrated with Ableton, okay? And um, and it does it quite well. And so um, light key isn't going to integrate with other programs quite as smoothly as it does with Ableton. However, that doesn't mean that you can't control it. So what I would do is set up MIDI notes coming out of light key, use a program like uh, loop MIDI I use sometimes, I think there's a program built into Max that allows you to, to loop the MIDI back, and then you can connect the two programs together. And LightKey works fully with MIDI control. It's really simple where you can just hit, you know, define MIDI control, basically. Um, and then you can... Um, and then you also can go ahead, basically, and um, you just set say define control, you know, send that MIDI trigger from Pro Tools, and then it'll connect those two together. And now that whatever note that was in Pro Tools that you just made, that note is always going to trigger that button or that look in light key. So yeah, you totally can. It's not going to be quite as smooth, smooth and effortless as uh, with Ableton, but certainly doable. Andre writes in and says, I brought Intech D Pro. Um, movie had this fixture called the Soundstill X Pro 132B. I can't find a fixture for this beam. I tried to create one, but it doesn't work. So Andre, you've got two options. Um, it sounds like you've already found perhaps my video on how to create fixtures in DPro. If not, we'll link to it. Um, how to create a fixture file in DPro. It's on YouTube. But if you're looking for more help, I know this is a while after the fact because again, um, that's why I'm getting away from answering questions at this general email and only doing it for patrons um, because I'll be able to answer much quicker. Um, so. Um, I, I help out people in Learn Stage Lighting Labs. If you have a fixture and you're trying to create a profile, I help people and I'll create those for you or JP will. Um, and we pre can turn those around pretty quick. Or we can look at your profile and see if we can we can fix it. Um, probably, um, you know, watch that video and see if there's anything you missed. If you haven't watched my video already on how to do that, there might have been a setting or something that you didn't define quite right um, that could cause that problem. And then, um, you know, part of the problem could be that you don't have the right channel layout for that light. Like maybe they updated it. The manufacturer could have changed it over time. I'm not familiar with that fixture, which kind of tells me that it might be an imported fixture um, that may have changed or may not match its manual. Um, in which case I've actually got an article. Actually, this is a good one that'll help you out. It's called, um, it's like, how do I find the channels for my DMX light? Um, and we'll link to that in the show notes. Um, 
And so, yeah, the article's called, How Do I Find Out What DMX Channels My Lights Have? Um, and I'll have Kari make sure to put that in the show notes. And then this this helps you basically go and and look at the different channels and then say, okay, does this match? And then actually in that, it shows you how to find um, names of fixtures that may already have profiles in Depro that may work for you. So that's totally an option there as well. Andre. Nick wrote in, I'd love to see a video on how you control moving head fixtures in Depro. Uh, I've got some inside morning stage lighting labs. All right. Another issue of interest to me. Um, I tried a couple different DMX controllers for LED strips, just RGB, no pixels. And while all work fine with the traditional controller, none of them work with D-Pro. I get no DMX indicator lit on the control surface or the strips, while all my other fixtures work fine. Um, I've toyed around with various profile definitions, uh, even just doing dimmers to no avail. Okay, so um, what this tells me, Nick, is that um, basically you have a problem that's bigger than just a profile problem. For some reason, whatever output hardware you're using from D-Pro um, isn't putting out a DMX signal that the um, particular device is happy with, okay? This particular um, LED controller. What I would do first is get whatever configuration software for your DMX output device, whether it's an NTEC USB, they use their Pro Manager. If it's an Ethernet-based, NTEC's got their NMU software, Node Manager Utility, um, or if it's another brand, there's other software for that output device, um, whatever it is you plug in your computer to get output, and try slowing down the speed of the DMX. So there will be a DMX speed control, most likely, and it'll be in hertz, and just start slowing that down, okay? Um, and see if that fixes things. Because often with really cheap stuff like this, um, it, you you can run into that problem with software. I've seen that before times where um, stuff doesn't work or is, you know, kind of flaky and slowing down that DMX can help it. Usually doesn't hurt anything else. Um, and, you know, usually you're not sending DMX changes that fast. I mean, we're talking Hertz here, right? So that's times per second. And by default, DMX, I think, is up around 40. And so even if you half that or more, um, you're not going to send lighting changes 40 times a second and, and really see a discernible difference. Um, at least not something anybody in the audience will notice, that's for sure. So try that out, um, and that may fix your problem. All right, we're going to try to lose my voice here. Um, thanks for the course. In addressing my fixtures, um, Duncan says, there are 10 dip switches, but only nine numbers from 1 to 256. That's an excellent observation. <clears throat> the 10th dip switch must be for something else. Yes. So, Duncan, if your light has more than nine dip switches, sometimes 10, sometimes 15, I've seen all kinds of things, um, you need to look in your manual because that's going to be something fixture specific. Often, if it's just 10, that's a DMX on or DMX off kind of toggle to tell the fixture to, to pay attention to DMX or not. Um, and if you don't have a manual, you know, just try it on, try it off. And if one way works and the other doesn't, keep it that way. Um, that's my recommendation there. Scott says... Hi, I'm only at a beginner's level when it comes to the DMX world. The person I live with and work alongside is all about old school lighting, which includes his lighting desks. I'm currently in the transition from analog desks to PC and MIDI. I'm wondering if it's at all possible to use an Akai tractor as a MIDI device for lighting instead of DJ. Uh, sure, Scott, it probably is. Um, I've got an article called um, How Do I Use a MIDI Controller for My Lighting, I believe that we'll link to. But I just got to look up this um, Akai tractor because um, I'm not familiar with that particular unit. 
and I'm not seeing something called the Akai Tractor. Um, Tractor is a software, um, but maybe you have an Akai like APC40 or something similar to that. Um, and so, yeah, something like that is totally usable with lighting. It's going to depend on your software um, and how much it allows you to use MIDI. But on that article I talked about that, we'll link to in the show notes. Um, my fabulous assistant, Kari, who really does a great job on the show notes. Um, we'll post that in there. And um, yeah, um, it's it's very console dependent, right? So the console chooses or the software that you choose is basically going to be the people that decide whether or not they allow you to use MIDI controllers or not. Some do, some don't. Usually, you know, oftentimes the good software, at least that allows you to use MIDI controllers, you'll have to pay for. And that makes sense, right? Because, um, you know, it costs a lot to develop good software. So, woo, that was the last question, which is good because my voice is gone, guys. And boy, that's the end of an era. You know, for 90 podcasts in years, I've been kind of answering questions that come in through the general inbox. Um, I hate that I've had to stop it, but I hate more that um, I was literally three months behind on answering people's questions. So I hope you guys really understand that, you know, hop on over to the Patreon, learn stagelighting.com slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N or link in the show notes. It'll be right at the top of the show notes. Um, we'll make sure to put it there. Um, is really the place where you you want to check it out um, because um, for just $3 a month, you can ask questions here. So like, it's a great middle ground for being able to get your answer by me reasonably quickly without, um, you know, maybe you don't need all the resources inside Lauren Stage Lighting Labs or that's not in your budget right now, but you'd like to get a question in and get it answered within a reasonable amount of time, then how can you argue with $3 a month? You know, you can make, uh, you know, there's the whole latte factor people talk about, you know, if you bought a $5 coffee every day um, and you invested that, you'd be really rich in 50 years or when you retire, and that's true. Um, but this isn't even that, right? This is $3 a month. Um, and I would say anybody who wants to afford that can. I think the same about learning stage lighting labs, actually. This is going to be kind of a um, a rant. But, you know, when I first started out in this business and I was trying to learn and learn from people and do gigs and borrow gear from people and all kinds of stuff like that, like, I was not afraid to work for free or the other hand, which I've seen people do a lot and I think is a great idea, is, you know, if you want to afford Learn Stage Lighting Labs, I mean, look, it's $240 a year if you join us yearly. And if you want to be able to afford that, you know, literally go like help some friends move in payment for cash or like go, you know, work as a pizza delivery driver for like a week, if that, and you can bring in that much money and then pay for it, right? And then you'll have access to that info for a full year to be able to work in it. Right. Like it doesn't take a lot of like, if you really want to do it, you can definitely put in that extra effort, find a way to earn that money. Even if you're not an adult, you know, walk dogs. When I was a teenager, dude, I walked dogs like crazy. Um, but anywho, um, but the Patreon, you know, it's just three bucks guys. And, and you'll be able to answer your questions on the show like Sylvain did today. Um, but whether you join us or not, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Show notes will be at learnstagelighting.com slash 090. Thankfully, this one actually recorded instead of crashing and losing my recording. And I'm so thankful for those of you that have listened. I hope that you have a great day and a great week. And I will see you guys back here on the show soon. We got some great stuff coming up and I'm pumped to tell you about it coming soon. Thanks, guys. See ya.